Oh, good morning. Good to see a full church this morning. You can turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. This morning we're going to be looking at uh, verses 11 through 20 of Luke chapter 2. Here's God's Word. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, and when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who had heard it wondered at the shepherds, what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Yeah. Let's pray. Oh, Father, would Your, would Your inspired Word be clear? Lord, we thank You for our time together in worship already as we've already made known the greatness of Your peace. What it means to have peace with God. And Lord, we've confessed wonderful truths already. We've, we've sang wonderful truths already. Lord, would You continue to encourage, Lord, I ask that you would warn those in here this morning that need warned. I ask that you would challenge us in here this morning that need challenged. And Lord, that you would encourage us all with your truth and with your peace. Father, may this peace be what we experience. And when we don't experience, may it, may it be what we know long after this season that we celebrate Christmas in. Father, may the people of Rockport, may the people in the ear sound of this know Your peace. Lord, we thank You for Your Son. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You for Your mercy. Amen. Amen. As an unbeliever in my Late teenage years and early twenties, I hated Christmas hymns. Not just Christmas songs, I hated secular Christmas songs as well. But I, I genuinely hated Christmas hymns. And, uh, I, I, I was an unbeliever. Um, I, I was driven crazy by them actually. I dreaded Christmas time coming around and the radio being flooded with with Christmas hymns and I was always confused with 
when pop stars would do whole spiritual Christmas albums, which made it even more confusing. And I was the ultimate Scrooge when it came to Christmas hymns. I thought them to be boring. I thought them to be old-fashioned. I thought them to be meaningless for our time now. And certainly not beneficial for me. And apparently not even enough just to, to, to kind of manufacture some fake Christmas cheer. Just none of it worked for me. Uh, and then I remember coming to Christ. And um, hopefully some of you guys can relate um, with this. I remember coming to Christ and that first Christmas after coming to Christ and hearing these Christmas songs. And I was stunned. I was floored at the truth of these songs. Much like many of the other hymns, right, that I grew up singing in church that was just kind of floating over me. I uh, didn't see their truth for my life, but for the first time I was overjoyed with the poetic lyrics about the wonder of the Incarnation, of Emmanuel, God with us. Right and and uh, it was uh, it was unbelievable for some of these things to to make sense. Uh, I resonate with what uh, pastor I listen to. This is actually coming to Grace Bible uh, Conference this next spring. Pastor Brian Borgman said concerning old ancient hymns that is, are found in Scripture and some of the ones that we sing still today. Uh, just just a variety of hymns and, and just hymnology and, and what it is for the church to sing. And he said, when you receive Him, when you receive Christ, all of these songs make sense. They make sense. All this truth clicks. And, and it doesn't just fit all of a sudden nice and pretty. And there's contemplation. There's meditation. There's things that that still take years to try to wrap your mind around. But, but things fall down into place after seeing these over and over again and never giving much thought to how those truths affected your life. When you receive Christ, they make sense. You're filled with joy and peace through belief through receiving Christ. I dreaded singing a song like Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I, I, I thought probably until to a young teenager that Hark was like the name of the angel or something, right? Um, I would go caroling and wonder to myself, why does anybody even care that we're singing these? Does anybody even care? Does anybody even know what this song means? Maybe you can resonate with that. Maybe that was your past that you're thankful to have left behind. Perhaps there are those here this morning, though, that that still sounds like your thoughts and your attitudes on the truths of Christmas that we sing. And maybe your cold heart needs warmed to the wonders of the Incarnation. This morning it has been my prayer in preparing that those who are desperately needing their heart warm to the Gospel will hear just that warmth today, even if it's for the very first time. Hark. You know hark means to listen, to hear this. There is a better way. There is a restful way. There is a guiltless way. There is a way of peace. 
That is the message of Christmas. The Christmas message is a remedy for your restless and hopeless and frantic soul. The Christmas message is refreshment to those who are thirsty, to those who are starving, to those who are the biggest skeptics in the room. It's a message of peace, a seizing of turbulence, a quieting of the tossing and turning. It is peace, be still to your soul. Peace on earth sounds great, doesn't it? Peace on earth. How great would that be if we actually saw a peace on earth, a peace that spanned across all things that we were involved with. If we were to see world peace, how great that would be. If we were to see peace just in our homes, in our families, if we were to see peace in our neighborhoods, in our communities, if we were to see peace with our co-workers and our workplaces, if we were to see political peace, we would have nothing to talk about. Personal peace. We, we, we've mentioned, uh, Scott and I are on the same wavelength evidently this morning. What, what about a personal peace where we had zero anxiety? No more worrying, no more striving, no more fear. Is that the peace announced by the angels to the shepherds that night? Is that even a realistic possibility? Is God going to come down and give us all what we need to help us get along and live a life without struggle? Or is He going to do something better? Is He going to do something better? What is the good news of peace before we dive into our text this morning? And the song said it well, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. The good news of peace is a simple phrase in that song that's this, God and sinner reconciled. That is the gospel of peace this morning as your framework. God and sinner reconciled. You see, we think of peace a lot of times as a truce. Or if we could just have peace with our relationships as in we don't want to talk to that person. We don't want to be involved with that party. We just want to be able to go our own way and not have any more friction. The Bible takes that can and kicks it way down the road and says peace is not just a mutual agreement to get along. Peace is a reconciling of God the Creator and Sustainer of our lives and the rebellious sinner in a friendship and a fellowship that is not just peace, I agree, let's shake hands, you stay on your side, I'll stay on my side, but fellowship and enjoyment together, not only as sons and daughters of the Most High, but as friends. Can you imagine becoming best friends with your worst enemy in this life? If you can imagine that, and it's hard to, you will get a little bit closer to understanding reconciliation and peace that the believer has in Christ Jesus. Mercy shown to sinners. Sinners reconciled to a holy God. Sinners, holy God. Enemies to God set on full rebellion against God. 
And receiving a gift, receiving a Savior, an actual Savior, a real Deliverer. You and I long for a real Deliverer. Not just an over-promising politician for a better future. Not just a a leader, an activist of some short-term movement. Not just a coercive, oppressive force like the Roman rulers who promised peace if you would just submit to their rule and obey everything that they commanded, but a true deliverer. We don't even know how to talk about being delivered from something or out of something without the truth of Scripture. A Savior. We need to be saved. Not of earthly problems, but of your greatest spiritual problem, your greatest spiritual need, which ironically is what contributes to all of our worldly problems, and that is our spiritual need of being rescued from our sin. A Savior rescuing you from your sin. How are we at peace with God? By receiving Christ by faith, receiving and believing who He is, what He's done by faith alone, and we are justified. Meaning, we are declared righteous because of the perfect righteousness of Christ being imputed to us. This is peace. This is peace. This is not something that you have earned. This is not something that you can gain. This is not something that you can touch without justification. By faith alone, we we heard from it already. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The pastor's word this morning, Scott talks about this verse. He mentioned it a little bit uh, with the Lord's Supper. But we are now at peace to actually enjoy God. And the crazier thing is God actually enjoys us. He loves us. He wants to fellowship with us. And He wants to do that eternally without being tired of us because His Son has provided a way for peace. And this is why Jesus came to turn our hearts back from ourselves to God, to restore relationship. Peace with God is our greatest need. Is it any wonder then why the birth of the Messiah, Lord Jesus, that, that expectation of the long awaited Savior King coming to dwell with us, is there any wonder that that news is worthy of great rejoicing? Is it any wonder that the Lord on that night had to bring in the heavenly host to show us how to rejoice over the incoming peace? From heaven. And is it safe to say that if there isn't praise and rejoicing and your heart looks more like Scrooge and the teenage Kyle Davis, that we would wonder if you even know this piece? If there is no praise and rejoicing, do you know 
the peace of God. And that is my prayer this morning from this Christmas narrative. And we've we've covered so much of it today. Praise the Lord. I'm not uh, the the Lord has seen it fit to not just depend on a sermon. Okay, the songs that we sing, the confession, the scripture reading, the Lord has used it all. That way, we don't put unnecessary weight on the preacher. All right, but. Reviewing so many things here, I want to look at four aspects of peace as it relates to God's sovereign saving purposes from this Christmas narrative. We'll look at number one, the praise of peace. Number two, the person of peace. Number three, the people of peace. And number four, the response of peace. The response of peace. Look back to the text In verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is well pleased. As if being able to see and hear from one angel were not terrifying enough, In the dark of the night, yet the sky being lit up like it was broad daylight, looking like the middle of the day, heaven, in a sense, shows up to earth to provide commentary that we needed to hear from the angelic host of what the birth of Jesus means. And He came so we can relate even further to a group of shepherds, of ordinary people minding their own business, going about life, just working as shepherds. All of the sudden, all of the sudden, suddenly, Scripture says, one becomes a multitude. A great multitude. A single angel declaring the good news suddenly becomes many. Host, host, is a term that actually means army. So we have this army of angels, ironically, an army of angels showing up to declare peace. The, the, the shepherds are, are terrified out of their mind as a whole army says, relax, calm down, this is actually about peace. An army of angels comes down from heaven to reveal through praise and adoration the wonder of salvation and the gift of peace. Glory be to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to men with whom He is pleased. This is great rejoicing in heaven because the coming of a Savior. All glory belongs to God for sending His Son. God has provided. Just as we speak of the table, God providing that spiritual meal, that spiritual nourishment that we need. God has provided all of this. The angels come down with a reminder from the start as He shows this connection of the glory glory to God, to the peace of man on earth, that all glory goes to Him. No human mind could think this up. No other way could redemption be accomplished or thought up. No greater way is God's love revealed than to send His Son to a helpless, dying world to rescue them. 
God deserves all the glory. And the angels come down to make that clear. It is all belonging to God in the heavens. And along with the glory of God in the heavens, we have this parallel reality of peace on earth. God is glorified in the sending of His Son. Men attain peace with God by the sending of His Son. And the angels, of course, are all over this. This is their job. This is the job of the angels to sing praises, to declare the greatness of the glory of God. Look what God is doing. Look what God has done. And we could learn a thing or two about about the angels, Christian. We can learn a thing or two. I was looking as, as we were confessing Is there anything worthy of praise? If there is anything worthy of praise, we will set our minds on these things. What you have learned and received and heard from God's Word today, put into practice. The feelings of peace aren't always there, but if there is anything worthy of praise that you know to be worthy of praise, the peace that we have with God being reconciled to a Holy Father as sinners, if there is anything to be worthy of praise, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's the angel's job, but what about us? What about our responsibility? Yes, what about our duty, but also what about our delight? What's the priority of praise? What's the priority of praise for Rockport Baptist Church in the hustle and bustle of the American Christmas tradition? Have we left any room for praising God during this time? Have you prepared any room to consider the worthiness of the Savior? Have circumstances been often what have flooded your mind and taken and choked out those things that are worthy of praise? Is peace foreign to you at this time of year? Choked out by the trials of life. I want to encourage you to renew your awe and to renew your worship. Our worship goes way past our current circumstances. I hope for the Savior, worship of our Deliverer, we need to wake up We need to wake up slumbering Christian. We need to join in with the angels and call out to God. We need to sing to God. We don't need to just stand there. We need to call out in song. Non-Christian, you need to call out to God for the first time ever. You need to join in with the angels and give God His praise. He deserves it all. We deserve nothing of His mercy. He deserves all of our praise. Wake up, Christian, non-Christian. Give the Lord the praise He deserves. Tell me to wake up when I am slumbering to give the Lord the praise. 
There is a true and lasting peace to be had, to truly be had, and to be enjoyed with God, and to join in with the angel army. Glory be to God in heaven, and peace be to men on earth. Secondly, we see that person of peace. This is this is obvious, but bears repeating in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is identified here with three titles. Savior, Christ, and Lord. By the way, this is the, the, the only time in all the New Testament, believe it or not, where Christ the Lord is a phrase used. But starting with Savior, Jesus is the deliverer of us from death, the transfer of us from the dominion, the slavery of darkness into light. He saves us. He rescues us. He is our light. He is our salvation. In Him we are redeemed. As Christ, the title Christ, Jesus is the Messiah. It means He is the Anointed One. Not a Anointed One, but the Anointed One. The one prophecy spoke of over and over and over again. He is the promised King from the line of David that was born in the city of David. And He is Lord. He's not just Messiah sent by God, but Messiah the God. Messiah the Lord God, the Lord Yahweh, and what Lord means, and Luke isn't going to hash this out right here, but it's going to be a theme as Luke moves on in his gospel, that He is the sovereign Lord over all. He reigns supremely. He is the Savior, He is the Messiah, and He is sovereign ruler, and He is coming to earth as a baby. Christ the Lord here in verse 11, as I mentioned, is found nowhere else in the New Testament like this phrase. The Savior is different than other ones. It's different than other kings. He is the one. He is the King. He is the Lord. It's who all the prophets pointed to. And He is our peace. As we heard in the Scripture reading from Trin this morning in Ephesians 2, Jesus Himself is our peace. And He's come as a baby. He didn't come as a mighty warrior. Now, isn't it uh, staggering how the Lord is spoken of, as Jesus is spoken of in prophecies, as we see Jesus uh, uh, in Revelation and the second coming, and we see all these things about Jesus, and we do see that He is gentle and lowly, but He really came as a baby. He came into this world as a helpless baby. No powerful ruler. No grand entrance. But as a baby, a helpless baby that needs helped with everything, that needs protected from everything. The Son of God started life on this earth. He was not created. But He started life as a human. 
the same way that we started life as a human, as a baby. Just like we came into this world, yet actually even lower than I would imagine most of us came into this world. He came into this world in a stable where He would lay after He was born as a human baby in a feeding trough. He came in all humility. Being born in the likeness of man, He didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Philippians 2 says, God became a man that we might have peace with Him. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, where we were last week, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over His kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. He will do this. He is the Son of Righteousness, risen with healing in His wings that we sung about that comes from Malachi 4.2. Healing in His wings, that is His peace. And so now, who is it that has peace with this Jesus? Who is it that has peace with with God. We've seen the praise of peace sung by the angels glorifying God in the sending of His Son. We've seen the person of peace who delivers us from our sin. But who is the us? Who are the people of peace? Did Jesus come bringing peace to everyone? Did He come spreading Christmas cheer and smiles? Did war and suffering and hostility come to a dead halt with the coming of Messiah? Did He fly over like Santa Claus and just throw pixie dust over everyone and peace, boom, voila? Of course not. Of course not. Peace wasn't just experienced by everyone nor automatically dispersed with the coming of Jesus Christ, but peace is for a particular people. Peace is a status that is the result of faith and the favor of God. Peace is nothing that we get on our own, but is a result of faith. Look back to verse 11 again in our, in our text. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. For unto you. Who does the angel say first in the context here when they show up to the field of shepherds? You. Unto you. That's the proclamation. The proclamation of peace when he sh- when the angel of the Lord shows up and proclaims it is a proclamation to you, to the shepherds, unto you. In the immediate context, this is the shepherds, right? But for you today is born a Savior. That 
that promise still is held out in the gospel proclamation of peace. That unto you, for you, a child is born, a son is given. Today put your faith and hope in Him and have peace everlasting. The angel didn't come proclaiming a generic gospel of peace. For anyone who might be interested, for anyone who may potentially think that sounds like a decent idea, but he came intentionally first to some shepherds, ordinary, lowly men. They weren't special. They hadn't done anything to merit any special favor from God. He didn't feel sorry for them. God didn't and send angels uh, because they, they worked so hard and they were just forgotten by society. They were sinners. They were ordinary sinners. They were sinners in need of the favor of God just like the rest of us. The gospel proclamation of peace is a personal call and a larger call for all of the good news that requires something. It requires a response. A response of faith. It's not a secret. It's not a mystery anymore. It's not a a hidden mystery any longer. It's a message to be proclaimed. It's not just a message that we sit under, by the way, too. You're, you're, you're not safe if you've grown up in Rockport and you've heard the gospel and you can even explain the gospel. Listen to me. You are not safe just because you have sat under the gospel teaching and you can even regurgitate it back and you can say what it means. You are not saved by that. You are saved by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The shepherds weren't safe because the angels showed up to them. The shepherds had a response. Shepherds weren't like, that was an awesome experience. I hope I remember it in 20 years. Now let's get back to work. The shepherds responded. That's the message though. That's the announcement but who actually experiences that peace? Look at verse 14. I know some of you have been waiting for me to get here. Peace among those with whom He is well pleased. A difficult passage to translate. Actually, I bet with five different translations of the Bible out there, it's going to say five different things. Some of your translations will say goodwill toward men. Some of your translations say what mine does to them who he is well, to men who he is well pleased or pleased. Some of your say peace to those with whom his favor rests. And I think that is one of the best translations. I think to sum this up, peace to those on whom God's favor rests is the idea here. Although goodwill toward men works Goodwill toward men works as long as we understand that it is God's good will to men, not the goodwill of men. That God comes and says, These are good men. They are good intention. Let me give peace to them. 
Let me show them my favor. No, absolutely not. This is the outworking of God's goodwill. It is His favor that He chooses to bestow on undeserving men. God's not awarding peace to those with goodwill. If God was awarding peace to those with goodwill, none of us would have peace. But He is granting peace to those who receive the Savior, those who are trusting in the Son given. God in His gracious favor draws near to the undeserving like the shepherds, like us, through Jesus. And by faith, our response, by faith we experience His peace. We are reconciled. And that's the last aspect this morning as we close. The response of peace. The message of peace, the message of the gospel, the reconciliation of God to man requires a response. Look at verses 15 through 20. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds' hearts were forever changed, forever captivated. They believed. They didn't say, let's go check this out and see if that angel was telling the truth. That's not what Scripture indicates. It says, hey, let's see what the angel has made known to us. They believed. They were changed. They responded in faith. And they witnessed exactly what the angel had told them verbatim. And what happens next? They reported this word. They reported this event from the angel. We see the telling again of the gospel. Some people refer to these shepherds here as the first evangelists. There were, there were, uh, uh, it seems like the narrative makes that there were more than just the family here at the stable. There were others around listening. But they repeated this word from the angel. We, we see them telling of the gospel. We even see mixed reactions. Don't take verse 18 as these people were converted or they believed themselves. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. They weren't really sure. Don't confuse marvel and don't confuse experience with trusting and believing. But we see these reactions. Then we see Mary treasured up all these things. And she didn't quite understand and put all the pieces together, but she was pondering them in her heart. In verse 20, we see this pattern go full circle back to the praise of peace. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and it had been as it had been told to them. Faith rejoices, church. Believing brings rejoicing. Faith believes. Faith 
tells, faith rejoices. There is always a response to make to the gospel of peace, right? There is a gospel of reconciliation that demands a response. I And understand this, I'm not talking about works. I'm not talking about you having to do something. I'm saying there is no neutrality with God. You are either for Him, trusting in His promises, or you are against Him, trusting in yourself. There is always a response to make to the gospel of peace. Are you going to believe it? Are you going to trust Christ? Are you going to believe the gospel and know the peace of God and experience peace with God? Don't just wonder at it. Don't just wonder at it like the crowd at the stable. Believe it like the shepherds. Believe it. There is no peace, church. There is no peace to our guests for simply being here and sitting under the Word this morning. I want you to know that. There is no peace from being a part of the table, the Lord's Supper. There is no peace because you just felt something that felt like a good emotion at some point in this service that's going to carry you a couple hours, maybe even a couple days out of this service. There is no security. There is no deliverance in that church. There is only peace in Jesus Christ. There is zero peace apart from Him. Go to Jesus Christ this Christmas season. Go to Him long after Christmas season. He is worthy of our praise and He is worthy of calling Him Lord and Savior and Messiah. Amen. Let's encourage each other, church, to praise the Lord because He is worthy. Let's pray. O worthy God, how I long to have unhindered praise and worship for eternity. How I long for the day where sorrow, where pain, where busyness, where whatever I can fill in the blank with is gone. We are in a constant state of rest and joy and peace at the feet of our Savior. Lord, would You work on the idols in all of our hearts that is keeping us back from praising the One who is worthy? Lord, would You help us to know the peace of God? Would You help us to believe Your promises? Lord, we know we won't feel it always. Lord, we're thankful for the times that we experience it. We're thankful for the times that we experience that peace that surpasses understanding. But Lord, would You help Your church to know it? Lord, would You help Your church to live in Your peace? Father, whatever You bring our way, Lord, I I boldly say this. Lord, whatever You bring our way, 
Prepare us with your peace. Father, I thank you for all the souls that you have saved in this body. Lord, would you add to our number? Lord, would you add to our number? Lord, would you save those hard hearts in our families? Would you save those hard, cold hearts that are tired of hearing from us, their friends? Lord, who want that friendship to end because we just want to make clear the Gospel to them. Father, would you break their hearts and give them the peace of Christ? We ask these things in your name. Amen.